When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 522 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jim Hilton, and you know I tend not to do previews anymore because they wind up being pretty obsolete within hours or even while I'm editing them because of a news update. And with all these Barcelona injuries, I can guarantee something has changed since the time I recorded this and you have it in your ears. But this Classico does feel pretty big for a bunch of reasons, so there was a few things I wanted to talk about as we get into the first El Clasico of the season that isn't a friendly. And it does feel pretty big, but not to immediately give myself an out in case of a bad result and make excuses. It did feel pretty big last October, too, in the Liga. But as we know, that game wound up not mattering in the long run. It was a 3-1 loss for Barcelona last October. The big injuries at the time were Ronda Rajo and Andres Christensen, which did force Eric Garcia and Sergio Roberto into the starting lineup. It was also still early enough in the season where Xavi was trying Dembélé on the left and Rafinha on the right, and certainly Barcelona also adding Lewandowski. I know he was scoring a ton in the Liga around that time already, and Ter Stegen was the best goalkeeper in the league, but it was at a point where Barcelona really weren't exactly themselves, and all those pieces didn't entirely fit together. The rest of the results last season did have some impact, though, more than that October match. Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup, 3-1 over Real Madrid, playing arguably their best match of the season, something that Xavi has agreed with since then and brought up that he would love to see Barcelona play at that level again. Gabi and Pedri in particular, if you remember, were just chef's kiss, some of the best matches they've ever played in their careers. Then there was that Copa del Rey semifinal, leg one was Barcelona with that insane 1-0 win at the Santiago Bernabeu, where they barely touched the ball at all. And 
I can go back to that match, and I looked at my notes again from that match. It is still one of the weirdest games I've ever seen from LeBrana in close to 20 years. Just uncharacteristic in every possible way, and yet they still won. Barcelona don't play that way and win games. It just it doesn't happen for 20 years, and that was one of those rare, 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 rare exceptions. Barcelona also got the 2-1 win over Madrid at the Camp Nou three weeks later. Big Frank Kessie match with the Rosalia shirt, if you remember. And that was a match that did feel like the title contenders had completely changed momentum by that point, where Real Madrid weren't on top, Barcelona were now on top. Then two weeks later was that ugly 4-0 loss at home in the second leg of the Copa del Rey. Vinicius Jr. with the counterattack goal and stoppage time in the first half, and Benzema's second half hat trick did Barcelona to the sword. This time around, though, there was no Dembele, no Pedri, no Christensen, and no De Jong. So Gavi played left wing, Kessier, Roberto, and Busquets were in the midfield. Alonso played left center back, and Araujo was at right back. So going through last year's matchups feels like a little bit of a waste of time, especially that last one with all those injuries. But it does at least prove maybe a little something. And that's that the healthier Barcelona was last season, the better the result against Madrid, which always does prove to be correct for Barcelona. They get good results when they're at their best, which again, sounds trite and stupid. I think every team is like that. But in particular, Barcelona seems to be when they're missing certain players. Xavi, because of the lack of depth and the finance issues and all that I have to tell you about the last few seasons, going back to the 2020 season and the pandemic and Bartomeu and all that stuff, Barcelona just does not have the depth to be missing major pieces and be able to take a result off of Real Madrid. So that really is one of the big questions that we're going to talk about for Barcelona in this match is do they have enough? Who did they risk? How do they risk those players? And do they even have enough talent on paper and then in practice to take down Real Madrid? Let's talk about Los Blancos first though, because I think the more telling game between these two, if we're going to go back and look at recent games, was the friendly they played in the preseason. The question going into that one was whether or not Xavi would play everybody to try to win the game. And then the starting 11 immediately confirmed that that was correct, that Xavi and Ancelotti the same was trying to win that game and prove a statement in the preseason. For Barcelona, it was Ter Stegen, Balde Araujo, Dembele, Pedri, Lewandowski, Gundogan, Christensen, Romeu, De Jong, Koundé. So yeah, basically a best 11 at that point of who they knew the personnel was. And obviously Gabi was injured at that point in the preseason. So Xavi didn't have to worry about having 12 players for his 11. But Ancelotti's 11, as I said, was similarly serious. Courtois, Carvajal, Militao, Alaba, Mendy, Kamavinga, Chomani, Bellingham, Valverde, Rodrigo, and Vinny Jr. And since that time, of course, Courtois and Militao with those ECL injuries out for the season, but everyone else pretty healthy. And with those lineups, Barcelona, they didn't crush them, but they were the better team and they got the better result. Orrume was really good in that match. Dembele got the first goal 15 minutes in, and the game was pretty tight then. But then you'll remember Fermin Lopez getting the second in the 85th minute on that banger from outside the box, and then Torres got the third for good measure. And it did feel like, in hindsight, with those two goals and the final result, that Barcelona did take it to Real Madrid, and they were the better side on that evening. And I know Kules, who haven't been watching Real Madrid, will say that Barca are coming into this game in not the best form. Close wins over Athletic Club and Shakhtar Donetsk since the international break. But Madrid hasn't been much better, if not worse. They drew Sevilla 1-1 in a game they were outshot in by Sevilla. And then they struggled against Braga in the Champions League. Still snagging the 2-1 win on Tuesday. And they were up 2-0 in that game. But it still felt like Braga were kind of making Real Madrid sweat a little bit. So I want to throw out this predicted Real Madrid 11 for you. It's a 4-1-2-1-2. Kepa in net. Mendy or Fran Garcia at left back, but I'm going to say Mendy here. But again, if it's Fran Garcia, I wouldn't be that surprised. And then Alaba and Rudiger in the middle. Carvajal on the right. Up top, it'll be Vinny Jr. and likely Rodrigo with Bellingham underneath them. 
But in the midfield, and this is actually where the left back part plays in too. If it's Mendy, I think it could be Cruz because he did not play against Braga. So it might be more reasonable to expect him, that being Tony Cruz, to start tomorrow with Mendy kind of to cover. But if it's Fran Garcia, we haven't really seen Ancelotti starting Fran Garcia, who does get forward a bit more than Mendy, and there is more space left in behind. And it seems like defensively, Real Madrid are weaker on that left side when it's Cruz and Fran Garcia. So Ancelotti probably won't go with that. So in the midfield, I'm going to say that uh, even with Mendy, I think he's actually, that being Ancelotti, he's going to go really defensive here. So I think Chuamani as a deeper midfielder, let's say that does happen. And then obviously we have to figure out who's in front of him. And I do think that Real Madrid go with Valverde and Camavinga over Cruz and Modric. But again, obviously, there is zero surprise if Ancelotti goes with at least one of those vets. And again, I'd say that Cruz, because he didn't play midweek, would be the favorite to start there and Modric coming off the bench. So I don't know exactly who might start. I do know the player to watch, and that's Jude Bellingham, of course. The only club that held him in check this season was Atletico Madrid last month. But that might have been less about Bellingham and more about how Ancelotti set up. Without Vinny Jr. in the lineup and Rodrigo not commanding a second defender every time, Cruz and Modric weren't moving the way Bellingham needs his teammates to move to create space for him. Valverde and Kamavinga were putting in a shift, but Kamavinga isn't really a natural instinct defender. He is just much better as an all-around player, able to get forward at times, but also able to control the pace of a game, sure. But defensively, you do trust Chuamani in that position much more than Kamavinga. So with Atletico Madrid having enough talent with Antoine Griezmann, Kamavinga more than had his handful to try to get forward into the box to create space for Bellingham. Attack-wise, Real Madrid still got their chances, though, and Atleti defended well, as they do. But the issues were how Atleti exposed the space behind Cruz, as I mentioned, and the fact that Modric wasn't making any runs into the box the way that Vinny Jr. or even Josuelo would. Atleti always had that extra man to pressure the ball and get out on the counter themselves. But that game was also a lot more about Atleti than I think it was about Los Blancos if you're Xavi watching tape. Atleti got the goal in the fourth minute from Morata, and you know what happens when Atleti go up a goal. So the second goal from Griezmann kind of put that game away 18 minutes in. Cruz got one back in the first half that made it interesting, but Morata's second to start the second really took the wind out of the visitor's sails, that being Real Madrid in that match. Madrid had 20 shots in the game total, which is actually a lot of shots, but only five on target. Atleti, meanwhile, had 10 shots, four on target. Real Madrid just weren't good enough in that game. They were off target, and they left some spaces for Atletico Madrid to exploit, and Atleti did the job. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol, or Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. 
What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that game kind of summed up what's interesting about both Real Madrid and Barcelona is that we know the big tactical questions and problems, but we don't know how either team will go about trying to limit those issues. Defensively, Madrid, as I've been saying, isn't in the best way right now, and Barca create enough chances, even without so many of their stars, that they will have some moments in this game, and likely on set pieces too. The White Shirts have been nervy on set pieces for the last few weeks, so Araujo, who scored on a set piece against Madrid before, maybe he can do it again. But Barcelona has their own defensive issues, which brings me to talking about their predicted 11. As I thought it over again about Cancelo, you heard from the five headlines from Shakhtar Donetsk, it was wild to me that Xavi didn't rest Cancelo. And I would say, well, that means that he trusts him more than anybody else possibly at that right-back position, so obviously just put him in pen in that starting lineup. And I don't know, I'm going to zag a little bit with that. I I could look dumb for this, but it might all make sense that Kinsella went the full 90 and Christensen and Balde got the rest so that Balde and Igor Martinez would have played himself into match fitness and then Christensen and Araujo were just rotated in the last week to be your starting back line. Araujo has started at right back against Vinny Jr. every match that the two have both been available for since Xavi took over. And I think that's the move again here. And if you're going to move Araujo over to right back, then yeah, you best have Christensen and Inigo Martinez in the middle. And I think the move says less about Cancelo than it does more about Araujo against Vinny Jr. That is a matchup that you want to win. And when Barcelona and Araujo win that matchup against Vinny Jr., they usually get the positive result in recent seasons. So let's do the injury updates real quick because that will greatly affect the rest of the midfield and the forwards. Even though it seems like everybody did practice, including Pedri and Kunde and De Young, it seems like Lewandowski and Rafinha, at time of recording, will definitely be in the squad, with the other three certainly big question marks and likely not to feature even if they make the bench. But if everything does go right, it does seem like Lewandowski could even be the one to start from that group. And I think that does happen. 
And I think Lewandowski will start. We have heard positive reports about his progress for weeks already. And I think that does happen that he starts and the Whipple effect goes through the squad. By starting Lewandowski, I think Torres goes to the right and Jao Felix obviously stays on the left. And it's a big moment for Fermi Lopez and Lamini Mall. But Lamini Mall went 90 minutes on Wednesday. And just like Cancelo, I think that's because he was the one that definitely wasn't starting El Clasico, even if Rafinha wasn't coming back yet. I think it was always going to be Ferran Torres on the right or Ferran Torres in the middle and Fermi Lopez then gets a start. Well, when they did start to get, of course, it was Torres out to the right against Athletic Club. But I think Xavi saw enough from that front line against Athletic Club where he would try it out in El Clasico instead of starting Lamine Mall, which does leave us with the midfield where I don't think Fermi Lopez starts in the midfield. I think Gabi and Gundogan, of course, they're in permanent marker there. And Oro Romeu, I put in kind of that erasable pen. As much as Romeu is a warrior against a counter, Fermi Lopez starting and having Gabi and Gundogan in the hole is a bigger worry. Not because Gundogan or Gabi can't handle that individual job. It's funny that Gabi did come out recently and say that, or maybe even today, that he is most comfortable in a deeper pivot position or a deeper midfield position. But I think the greater concern is that Gabi and Gundogan both have responsibilities to get forward. But because if you start Fermi Lopez... The space that he then leaves behind by being a goal-scoring threat, which is his job. That's what he's meant to be on the field to do. That would put Gabi and Gunawan in worse positions than Romeo would be in with the other two in the starting lineup. So that's why I think Xavi goes with it. I, I think Lewandowski, if he is healthy enough, definitely gets a start. And then the Whipple effect goes out the rest of the squad. As I was saying, if Rafinha starts on that right wing, not that crazy. But I think Jao Felix and Ferran Torres, the way that Xavi's been talking about them, they keep their spot in that starting lineup. And again, that inserts Lewandowski. Yeah, then you have two midfielders who are definites, and then there's one of two midfielders that does change the entire perception of that game. I don't know. I, even with the back line I mentioned that's a little more defending than Kinsella would have, then maybe that does mean that Xavi is more comfortable starting Fermi Lopez in the midfield. There's a few ways that Barcelona and Xavi can go with this, and it is one of those where if Xavi gets it wrong, I mean, you think you're going to see that pretty early, but if Xavi gets it right, then Barcelona will get him in the front foot, and I see them taking the three points. I do feel like the last few times these two met, one or the other was on a roll and the other one wasn't at their best. And this time, as I said, there is possibilities for everybody, but I have been listening to some Real Madrid stuff as I look to preview this game. And it seems like Los Blancos are usually pretty confident going into these Clasicos if they know that they're the healthier side or the side in better form. But this time around, it feels like neither are at their best and neither fan base is really coming in with an overt amount of confidence, which means there's plenty of excuses for everybody to go around. And that's exactly what you want out of El Clasico, of course. And not to downplay it that much, but a draw between these two is even more about other teams than is about them, because that means that Girona only had to get a win against Celta, as this is being recorded just about an hour before that match, that being Girona and Celta, get started. And if everything goes chalk, that means that Girona probably took points off Celta. Maybe, again, I could be wrong about that by the time you hear this. But if Girona take points and it's a draw in El Clasico, they go top of the table. And remember, Atletico Madrid still have that game in hand and are sitting just two points behind Barca in fourth and have the longest win streak in the league at the moment, having won five straight. And they have Alaves this weekend, who are playing okay, but aren't the best side you've ever seen. They're more of a defending side that they're, they are getting some points by working hard and digging in. But I mean, that's Atletico Madrid's bread and butter. That's who they are. So there you have it. The first official Clasico of the season is here. I will have the five headlines out as soon as I can. So like four to five hours after the game ends. And then the podcast should be out sometime on Sunday for more recap. So as always with El Clasico, the most important thing, I hope you just enjoy the game. And as always, until next time, Forza Barca.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.